everybody welcome 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 so good we get to be together no matter where you're watching from uh where you're joining us from so hey uh on the patio all you on the patio man we love we get to be together love all you guys and love that we get to worship this way uh and by the way uh in texas again you're leading the way uh but uh all across the country all across the world the crossroads family gets to join together now what we live in a weird world a crazy world. So I don't know if you know what happened, but my wife, Pam, uh, is now just out of nowhere decided she wanted to be in gardening. And then we got in the mail. We opened up the mail and we got these seeds. We didn't order the seeds, but all these seeds came. So uh, what we did is we decided to plant the seeds to see what they would turn into. <laughs> and we got this. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's what we got. Okay, yeah, no. Hey, by the way, if you haven't heard, uh, there really is somebody or a group of people sending seeds to people in the mail, and there's this warning out right now saying, hey, don't plant them, don't plant them, uh, because it's a form of bioterrorism that's going on. So to add to everything else that's happening in the world today, you, you can't plant seeds that you get in the mail, at least if you didn't order them. Um, and so there's all sorts of things we have to be careful of. Uh, there's something else that's been floating on the internet I want to tell you about. Uh, and it's, it's supposedly uh, from the Peace Corps, and it's from the Peace Corps manual for people who are going to serve in the Peace Corps in the Amazon jungle. And in this particular part of the manual, what they warn about is if you encounter an anaconda, uh, the largest snake in the world, uh, 35 feet long, can eat a three to 400 pound animal. Uh, they're so big. Uh, if you encounter an anaconda in the, in the Amazon jungle, what are you supposed to do? And so according to what's on the internet, uh, the Peace Corps is saying, don't run because the anaconda is faster than you are. So they give an eight step process of what to do. And number one, it says, don't run because the snake is faster than you. Number two, if you encounter an anaconda, lie on the ground, Put your hands tight against your sides and your legs tight against each other and play dead. Then it says, tuck your chin. Then number four, the snake will come and begin to nudge you. Climb over your body. Don't panic. Don't panic. <laughs> A 35-pound snake crawling on your body. And then it says, number five, after the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from the feet in. It always comes from the feet in. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and your ankles. And no matter what, don't panic. It says, the snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. You must lie perfectly still and, and be patient because this will take a long time. And then when the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, Reach down, take your knife very gently, slide it into the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your legs, and then suddenly rip upwards, severing the head. And the last point, be sure you have your knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's what you need to know. Uh, the Peace Corps never published that. That actually is fraudulent. Uh, the second thing is this. I was reading an expert on the anaconda, and they said, here's the thing you need to know. You can outrun an anaconda. Uh, matter of fact, uh, some of you are going, well, what if I can't? 
if you see an anaconda, I don't care who you are, you'll outrun it. But, but he said, outrun it. The next thing he said is this, is the anaconda very likely won't nudge you. It'll wrap around you and, and choke you to death uh, like a boa constrictor would. And it's not true they always start at the legs. They very likely are just as likely could start at your head. <laughs> but if having a knife is still a good idea. But, but the, here's the thing about it. None of those things are true. And yet that's floating around on the internet and uh, uh, lots of people are listening to it. But I have a question. Let's say you did decide you wanted to go serve in the Peace Corps in the Amazon jungle. And then you happen to read this. Would you still go? Would you still go? And, and I want to say this, if you would, if you said, you know what, man, I, I really want to go make a difference and there's a need that, that I know I can uh, meet and a difference I know I can make, so I'm going to go anyway. If that were true and you read this and believed it, you would have to be super committed. You would have to be super passionate about that cause and I think you'd have to have a really good knife. <laughs> Anybody else for the good knife? But you know what, I, I, I want to have you think about that. You see, we live in a world today uh, where people are feeling lots of different emotions. But many are hurting. Many are struggling. Many are afraid. There are quite a few who are angry. And a lot of people are just unsure. They're unsure about their job. They're unsure about their future. Uh, Probably the one thing I'm hearing people, a lot of people are most unsure about is whether they should send their kids to school or not. For a lot of parents, they just can't make up their mind on that. But I want to say this, in a world of, with people who are experiencing those emotions, maybe that's you. Maybe you're hurting. Uh, maybe right now you're struggling. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you have too much anger. Or maybe you're just not sure. Uh, here's what you need. You need God. And, and, and I want you to know God loves you and God cares. God is unchanging. God is not surprised by this. And Jesus really is the answer to every one of those things I just named. And here's what I also want to say to you. For us who know Jesus, more than ever, we have a message, the message that will make the most difference. So all of the people in your world who are afraid need to know about the the strength and courage that Jesus can give. All of those who are struggling need to come and know about a Jesus who loves them and can actually stabilize their life, lift them up, make them stronger, give them resilience, and get them out of that situation. For those who are afraid, he gives courage. For those who are unsure, he gives a certainty. And he gives guidance. And and so right now, what I want to say to you is more than ever, we, get ready for this, we need to be God's Peace Corps. We need to be God's Peace Corps in a time of chaos, in a time of unrest, a time of uncertainty, and a time of anger. We need to be bringing peace to people who need peace. And the peace from Jesus is a peace that passes understanding. It passes understanding. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For this purpose the Son of Man has come, to seek and save the lost. See, a lot of people are lost because they're hurting, unsure, they're anxious, they're afraid, they're wandering. Uh, Right now, they're not sure about who they are. They're not sure about the world they live in. uh, And they need to know the love of God. They need to know the life that God wants them to live. They need to know the promises and power of God that's true. By the way, on Wednesday, I'm going to talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. We need to all be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we need to go out in the power of that filling 
and bring a message of love and a message of hope and a message that makes a difference. The one thing you and I can't do, we can't stand on the sidelines in such a time as this. We can't stay silent in a time where people need the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian today, if you're a Christ follower, you're needed more than ever. Now, now here's what I want to tell you. A lot of, I'm, I'm concerned, I'm concerned that a lot of Christians are kind of sitting back feeling like, well, you know, one day maybe uh, when life returns to normal, I'll be amongst people again. People need you more than ever. People need you more than ever. Relatives need you more than ever. Friends need you more than ever. Uh, 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 people you worked with, they, they need you more than ever. And, and we can't be complacent. Uh, there's a, uh, a call of Jesus that says you can't be complacent, you can't put it off, you shouldn't wait. Look what Jesus said in Luke 9, verse 62. He said this, Jesus said, no procrastination. In other words, don't put it off, don't sit back, no procrastination, no backwards looks, don't keep looking in, wondering what life used to be in the old days. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. See, we're in a series called Get in the Game. And I want to call for you to seize the day, seize the day, seize the day. And, and we need to do that. Uh, I, I personally am super excited. Football season's coming back. Uh, and you know what? Football has been described as this. 22 men on the field desperately in need of rest with 100,000 people in the stands desperately in need of exercise. <laughs> yeah, some of you are going, but there won't be 100,000 people in the stands. Okay, let's do it over. 22 people on the field desperately need rest. 20,000 people in the stands desperately in need of exercise. And while that is a pretty good description of football, let me say this. I'm really sad to say it's too good of a description of the church, especially the church in the United States. A few out there laboring and working and passionate for the cause. And other people sitting back, hoping they do it. And that is not God's design. That is not God's way. That is not what God wants. You and I are not to be on the sidelines. We're not to be complacent. Uh, uh, And again, and more than ever in such a time as this. Uh, In the book of Zephaniah, uh, there's a warning about the last days. And in Zephaniah, it says this, I will search Jerusalem, but I will search my people, is what he's saying, uh, with a lamp, hunting for them. And I'm looking for the person who's complacent, who's complacent. And I'm going to bring judgment on them. And in Zephaniah 1, here's how it words it in the message. It says, on judgment day, I'll search through every closet and alley in Jerusalem. I'll find and punish those who were just sitting it out. By the way, don't miss that. He's talking about us. He's talking about his people. And he said, on judgment day, what I'm going to do, I'm going to hunt for those who were just sitting it out. Fat and lazy, amusing themselves, taking it easy, who think God doesn't do anything good or bad. He isn't involved, so neither are we. Too many Christians say in their heads, say with their mouths, that, you know, I know God will judge one day, but we don't really believe it. I want you to think right now, I'm talking to those of you who are Christians, those who are Christ followers. How many people in your family, when judgment day comes, are going to get judged because You didn't do anything. You sat back and took it easy. And you said, well, somehow God's God's not really involved in all this. And I deep down, deep down, do you really believe? Do you really believe that he's going to send people to hell? 
Do you really believe he's going to do that? You see, I want you to think about this. We want you to be a person who doesn't sit back, doesn't sit it out, isn't complacent, uh, isn't just wondering if one day somebody else will reach your family, reach your friends, reach your coworkers, reach your neighbors, because you were the one called to do that. And so this whole series is about getting you uh, to a place where you can make a difference. And so during this season, I believe, and actually I'm experiencing, people are more willing and more wanting to have that spiritual conversation than ever. They're more willing and wanting to. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, uh, and they just, they've opened up, they've asked more questions, they've invited me to share, and, and this is the most exciting place you and I could be, is in a moment like that. I know sometimes it's the scariest place you could be. When I had Lee Strobel on the podcast, Lee talked about that. You know, for him, uh, very often it's a scary thing to do, and he is so equipped, but, but you know what? It's exhilarating. I don't know about you, but when I ride a roller coaster, man, I want a little bit of sphere. When you live life, you want a little bit of that inside you. And the best place to get it is when you're standing in a moment, having the most important conversation you could ever have on the most incredible topic we could ever discuss, Jesus and their eternity. So you need to have the conversations that'll make an eternal difference. You need to be able to do that. And so what I want to say to you is right now, there's lots of ways we're giving you tools to do that. Uh, uh, I just recently this morning heard about somebody and, and they watched my, my, our, our, our series, 100 Seconds to Midnight. And they thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to share that with my friends and ask them to watch it with me. You know, right now, if there are people wondering, are we in the last days? Is the coronavirus a sign of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the end of the world. You know what you should do? You should say, hey, have you ever been wondering that? Let's watch this series together and, and, and then have a conversation about it. Maybe you know somebody who's caught up in the midst right now of an addictive and a destructive behavior. What should you do? I, I'm not kidding. Here's what you should do. You should say to them, hey, our pastor just talked about how to break that bad habit, how to get free, how to demolish that stronghold. What, would you watch this series, Breaking Bad Habits, with me? And then let's talk about it. And the key is, let's talk about it. The key is, let's have the conversation. The key is, let's start beginning to do that together. And so we want to equip you. We want to get you ready to do that. Um, by the way, some of you, you ought to take this, this, this journal. Uh, you can get it right now on Amazon.com. But I've never been more excited about any journal I've done, and I love all the others. Uh, but this one I'm so excited because so many people read Isaiah. <laughs> Actually, let me stop. So many people don't read Isaiah. Uh, uh, and you know why? It's 66 chapters long, and as you start to read it, you get lost. But it's so incredible. It's so amazing. And I want you to understand Jesus like you never have before. And Isaiah talks about Jesus. And, I mean, incredible. Most of Isaiah is about Jesus, uh, about his first coming, his second coming, his millennial reign. There's more on the millennial reign in Isaiah than anywhere else. And, and I want you to understand Isaiah. But what if you got one of these journals and then said to some friends, hey, let's, let's, let's do this together. Let, let's, let's study together. Let's learn together. And, and so you, you go to them and you get this incredible time of talking about God, the gospel, the difference that Jesus would make in our lives. So we want you to be able to do that. So we're doing everything we can in this Get in the Game series to prepare you for Isaiah and to get you ready to have the conversation. Next week, I'm super excited. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who's a New York Times bestselling author, a, a neuroscientist, 
She is one of the most respected neuroscientists in the world. She's actually a cognitive neuroscientist, and you'll understand that more when she's here. But she's an expert on the brain. And when you start to understand the brain and you talk to people about how did your brain even come to be, because Dr. Leaf's going to show you the science shows the Bible's truth. I've been telling you guys that. Listen to an, an expert in the field tell you and show you and give you the, the, the evidence that the Bible not only is true, but science today is backing the Bible like, like never before. And so, for instance, your brain is one of those things. Uh, your brain has a hundred billion neurons. Uh, your brain, uh, your brain right now, think about this. The brain God made is an electromagnetic force to be reckoned with. Uh, I, I've been, I'm intrigued by this because she's going to bring this out, is that your brain right now, every single day, your brain actually manufactures enough electromagnetic uh, uh, a force that it could power every cell phone in the world. Did you know that? Where did that come from? That's a miracle. And when you begin to understand the miraculous wonder of the brain, it points to something, and she's going to show it to you, to God, the fact you have free will. And this is really cool. She's going to show evidence neurologically of grace, of grace that you could change, that you can be different. She's going to talk about how many of us, are, our brains are suffering in a time like this and how you can go to a place where your brain is healthy and, and, and doing what it's wired to do and, and being what it's supposed to be. And, and what I want to say to you is tell your friends, watch with me and then have the conversation. Begin to talk to them about, hey, don't you see this could not have happened by accident? By the way, anybody who understands the brain, there's no way it could have happened by accident. And, and, and so the evidence is in. God is real and even better, God cares. By the way, it's some of you right now, listen. When you begin to understand how God made you and who he made you to be, God cares for you. God loves you. And, and, and if you're wondering, okay, why are you telling all the other Christians to tell me that? It's because you matter to God. And right now, there's probably some people who've been trying to tell you that. And definitely God's been trying to get the message through. But you and I, you and I, we got to do this. We need to get in the game. And I, I, this whole month, I want to help you get in the game. And then when we go into the Isaiah study, I want you ready to be in the game. I don't want you sitting on the sidelines. I don't want you sitting it out. I don't want you to be somebody. By the way, I'm your pastor. I take that and as a privilege. But I want you to know it's because I care. I care about God and his cause, but I care about you. And I really know there's a judgment day coming. And I don't want to stand there and look at some of the people who are part of our Crossroads family and say, what happened? Why weren't you in the game? Why were you sitting it out? Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, there's a passage in the Bible that when the first time I read it, I sat in, and I'm not kidding, I can remember the moment. I, I sat and read the words and then read them again. And I said, I, this is serious. It's called the Watchman Passage. A watchman was one who was supposed to watch out for all the bad that could come, for the enemies that could invade, for the disaster that would be on the horizon. And, and they would give warning. They would give warning. And, and by that, people could be safe. People could be saved from the impending disaster that's coming. And God tells me and God tells you and God told a man named Ezekiel, you're my watchman. 
You're to warn people of the judgment to come. You're to warn people of the disaster that's on the horizon. And, and he said, you got to do it. You got to do it. But I want you to look at these words. By the way, don't dismiss them. Don't try to get around them. Look what it says. It says, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. He said, when you hear my words, warn people, warn people. When I say to the wicked, that's people who don't know the Lord, you will surely die. And you do not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way that he may live. Listen to what happens. So let me stop. So you don't talk to your brother. You don't talk to your sister. You don't tell your neighbor. You don't tell your coworker. You don't tell your friend that they need to come to know God. They need to be forgiven of their sin. They need to turn from their, their wicked ways. They need to turn to God. You don't warn them to do that. What will happen? That wicked man shall die as an iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. God said, I'll hold you accountable. Chuck, I'll hold you accountable if you don't share. By the way, whoever you are right now, God said, I'll hold you accountable. He doesn't say, I'll send someone else. Please don't miss that. He said, you're the one. He doesn't say, I'll send someone else. You were the one. He goes, yet if you have warned the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die as an iniquity, but you've delivered yourself. So if you tell them and they don't listen, then it's on them. But if you don't tell them, they don't even have a chance to listen and it's on you. They still get judged. And you can't sit back saying, no, God wouldn't do that. Yes, God would. Remember, he said, I will. He goes again. When a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, I place an obstacle before him. Notice what it says. He will die since you have not warned him. If a person's a Christian and they turn from their righteousness, they turn away from God. I know some of you are already struggling with that. Don't try to dismiss this. He says, he will die since you have not warned him. He shall die in his sin and his righteous deeds which he has done shall not be remembered. And then it says, but his blood I will require at your hand. You know, right now there are some of you who, man, you used to love Jesus, you used to walk with Jesus, and I always do this. Not, not, I mean, I care about you so much, I'm saying, come back. He will take you back right now. But don't wait, don't put it off, come back, recommit. Some of you, I'm telling you, this is your moment to give your life to Christ, to come to know God's love. And you're not going to be able to say, I didn't tell you. You're not going to be saying no one told you. I did. But, but may, right now, if you're a Christian, who have you told? He goes, however, if you have warned the righteous man that the righteous should turn, not sin, and he does not sin, he should surely live uh, because he took warning and you have delivered yourself. In other words, lots of people are changed. Lots of people come back. Lots of people come to know God's love. But, but they won't. They won't if you don't tell them. They won't if you're not a part of making a difference. We, we need to get the word out. Uh, for years, as I've been a pastor, we've always tried to get this message to people. Uh, back when I was doing Next Gen Ministry, we did these skits all the time. And, and I'll never forget the one. This is probably one of the most powerful ones we ever did. And, and what it is, is there was a college age or a young professional guy, and, and you see him walking. And as he's walking, you realize he's walking to heaven. That, that he now, because 
The world has ended. It's time. He's heading to his reward. He's heading to the love of God. But as he's going this way towards heaven, he encounters people from his life who are going to hell. The first person's an old childhood friend. And he goes, you can't be going to hell. And, and they are. Then, then he encounters a couple other people. Then he comes to a girl, a girl he dated. And he looks at her and he said, no, 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 not you too. And she said, I'm scared. I'm scared. She goes, I, I don't know what to do. I, I can't, there's no turning back now. And then she looks at him and says, where are you going? And he goes, I'm, I'm going to heaven. And she goes, oh. She goes, I'm so glad. And she goes, when did you become a Christian? And he looks at her and said, I was a Christian when we were dating. And she goes, you were? She goes, we dated two years. I had no clue. I mean, the things we did, a Christian would do that. And he goes, I, I know, I know I wasn't in a good place. She goes, not in a good place. Do you know where I'm going to go right now? Do you know what's going to happen to me? And you didn't tell me and you treated me like that. And he starts to cry and said, no, no. He never told her. She goes off to hell. Then he turns and his father's coming. And he starts to cry and he says, Dad, not you, not you. And his dad goes, no, it's okay. All that matters to me is that you get to go to heaven. And he starts going, no, Dad, that is not all that matters. And Dad, why didn't I try harder? Why didn't I say more? I just didn't think you'd listen. And the dad said, well, I don't know that you ever asked. And there was a time I would have. But what matters to me is you're not going to go to hell. And he goes off. And the guy realizes all that mattered to him was that he wasn't going to go. Not all the other people around him he should have told. Not all the other people he should have cared about. He didn't have the passion that God wanted him to have. He wasn't a part of the great cause Jesus wants you and I to be passionate about. See, in Luke 19.10, it says those words. In Luke 19.10, Jesus said this. He said, for this cause the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What does it mean to be lost? You're hurting and don't know God. You're lost because you're not in a relationship with God. You're lost because you don't know a God who loves you. And by the way, you might even not even realize you're lost. You might not realize that. It might be something inside you know something's not there and you're wondering about it. James Kozowski. James Kozowski is a policeman. And, and by the way, he was injured on the job and ended up having to be assigned to a desk. Uh, and and Kozowski uh, began to feel like there's something missing in my life and I'm not sure what it is. Uh, but because of his injury, they also did a DNA test and he happened on a long paper to sign on the paper that they wouldn't be allowed to put his DNA in a register. Uh, it was just something the hospital was doing, mainly for organ donation. And they got it back a hold of him and they said, hey, guess what? In the next town, you have a, a relative. Did you know that? And he said, no. And, and they said, yeah, it's a long lost relative, probably an uncle or something. So James Kozowski contacted uh, Dennis McGinn, who also was a policeman, who, by the way, also was injured on the job and assigned to a desk. And when they got together, here's, it just happened, by the way, recently. James found out that Dennis was his father. 
his dad. By the way, here's a picture of him. Uh, James never knew Dennis, who was his father. They only lived a few miles apart, not that many miles apart, easily in driving distance. And here was this man who always wanted to have his son back in his life. Here was a son that was already missing his father. But catch this, they were lost from each other. And an accident each of them experienced put their DNA on the register so they could find each other. Well, there was not an accident, but there was a tragedy where Jesus died on the cross so you could find God as your father. See, he died on the cross so your sins could be forgiven so that you could know a father who loves you like no other. With unconditional love, unconditional care, with power, with promises, with with life for you. And if anybody doesn't have that, the Bible says they're lost. See, God doesn't call you in a mean way, God calls you in a loving way. And so God's great desire is for you to know his love, for you to experience that. Jesus kept driving that home over and over again. This is the cause to seek and save the lost. This is the cause to find those who need to be found. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories all about something lost that needs to be found. And there's some interesting themes that Jesus weaves into these three stories. Uh, He starts out by saying, you know what it's like? It's like a shepherd has a hundred sheep, but one wanders away. And, and, And when he's lost one, it matters so much to him that what does he do? He leaves the 99, which doesn't make any sense, to go and do whatever he can to find the one. And, and, and when he finds the one, he's elated. When he finds the one, he's ecstatic. And when he finds the one, he asks everybody to celebrate. And in Luke 15, verses 6 and 7, it says, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Do you know what? Right now, God may be hunting for you. God might be pursuing you with a reckless love. And why do we call it reckless? Because he would be willing to send his only begotten son to the cross because he couldn't love you more than he does so you could be forgiven, so you could experience being found by him in love. So it starts with a sheep. Then it goes to a coin. It says, you know what it's like? It's like a woman has lost a little coin and, and she can't find it. And that coin is precious to her. So what does she do? She looks everywhere, can't find it. She starts lighting lamps. Now, here's the key. When back then, she's right, lighting an oil lamp, and oil was expensive. So she's going to burn more oil in that lamp than the coin's worth. There's a disproportionate amount of expense being paid to find the one who's lost a disproportionate amount of energy to what we say the extrinsic uh, uh, value of that coin is. But there's something intrinsically valuable. And, and, and so what happens is it's worth every bit of oil, worth every bit of energy. By the way, here's the question. To you and I, 
are, are the people in our world, in our lives, that important that it's worth a disproportionate amount of prayer, of conversation, of energy to have them come to know Jesus? And then when they do, what happens? Joy, ecstatic joy. So here's what it says uh, in Luke chapter 15. It says this, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who are in need of repentance. And so God wants you to know that. And in Luke 15, 9 and 10, it says this. It says, when she has found it, found that coin, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, rejoice with me. For I have found the coin which I had lost in the same way Jesus says, I tell you, there's more joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you get where we're going with this? Do you get where Jesus is going with it? That's where the most joy is found. That's where the best life ever lived is lived. That's where you make the biggest, most important difference. And by the way, she not only burned up the oil, she throws a big party over a coin that doesn't seem to be worth that much. But God says it is. God says you are. And he wants you to know that. So then what happens is he gets into the story of a lost son. It's like a sheep that's lost, and they leave the 99 to find it. Like a coin that's lost and burns up enough oil and it throws a party. <laughs> Spending way more than the coin's worth, but it matters that much because it's found. And the same way, he said, it's like a son. A son who's lost. And he goes off and he lives in all the ways that he shouldn't. He could not be more wicked, more shameful, more sin-filled more wasteful, and God the whole time is watching, watching, watching as a father, saying, come home to me. What's the message? You can't do anything where God's not going to still love you and not going to want you. And so what happens is the son finally wakes up. He finally says, I want to come to God. And he's walking down the road wondering if the father will take him back and the father sees him in a distance and runs and throws his arms around him and hugs him and and the son says I don't deserve your love and the father says none of that oh I love you by the way God loves you God loves your friends God loves your co-workers God loves your neighbors your family and God just says come home I want to hug you the even says kiss you I want to throw a party and celebrate. And in Luke 15, 32, it says this. It says, but we had to celebrate. Why? And rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, was lost and has been found. And Jesus said, don't you get it? Nothing matters more. God moves heaven and earth to reach out to you and he wants you to move heaven and earth to bring that message he wants to reach out to others. You and I need to do that. And, and so in each of these stories, one thing that's woven in is that, that God puts out a disproportionate amount of energy and value to reaching you and caring about you, which makes you more valuable than you know. So that's what it says in John 3 verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus for you. That is disproportionate. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, for me, it is. Jesus, for me, that doesn't make any sense. But he did it. Do you know how much sin was in my life? Do you know how many bad things I had done? How many people I had hurt? How selfish I had been? 
And God gave Jesus for me. And then he's saying, Chuck, go tell other people. It's for them too. Hey, for you and me, let's go tell other people. It's for them too. Let's don't keep this in. Let's don't sit on the sidelines. Let's be in the game. Let's make the difference. And you know what you see in that again is reckless love. There's a song called Reckless Love that speaks to that. It speaks to the idea that God loves you so much. God cares about you so much. And so in a moment, I want you to hear John. John's going to share that song with us. But uh, but as he does, I want to ask you a question. Where are you with God? We're going to go on in the message after John comes back, but, or after John's done. But I want to say this first. Let's stop right now, because you know what matters most in this moment? Is if you do not know God's love, if you're not experiencing the forgiveness that comes from what Jesus did on the cross, so now there's no more guilt, no more shame. If you're not having the healing from the hurt and the pain that maybe is in your life, the freedom from fear, the breaking of the bad. All that comes when you open up to his love. And the Bible says he makes you a new creation. He makes you alive. He begins to show you your identity and your purpose. He shows you who you're made to be, what you're made for. And it's for you. And right now, if you don't know his love, I'm going to ask you, would you be willing to open up to it? And as John's singing, I want you to think about that. Right now, if you used to know Jesus and be close to him, would you come back? Would you take a step toward God? By the way, how do you do that? How do you come to God or come back to God? The Bible says you pray. So after John's done singing, I'm going to lead a prayer where you can pray this prayer and and say to God, I want to give my life to you. And then what God wants you to do also is show it. He doesn't want you to keep it silent. He wants you to pray a private prayer and commit. Then he wants you to make a public statement. You mean it. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to text amen to 69922. If you pray this prayer, either to commit or recommit, you could pray it alone. You could pray it with your family. uh, You could pray it with friends. But no matter what, Jesus wants you to say the words. And then he'll honor them. He'll come close. And then you need to make it known. By the way, if you're out on the patio, there's going to come a time we're going to ask you to actually go to come forward and, and, and really say yes that you want to be right with God and let one of our, our next step, our counselors know that you're ready to say yes to him. But right now, let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now for anybody who needs to open their heart to you and find your love and find you as their father. They can have you as their father. It's not just about you being their God. It's that it's you're their Abba Father, their dad. And you want to draw them close and you want to pour love into them and pour life into them. And, and God, forgive them and cleanse them of all their sin and make them new and alive. And there's some people right now that, Lord, need that for the first time and some to recommit. And as John's singing, Lord, I pray those words are going to come and they're going to realize this is their moment. This is their time. So Jesus, I pray for hearts to change. I pray right now for people to sense your presence. No matter where they are or when they're watching this, they'll sense your presence and sense your love. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.
I want you to think about that. The overwhelming, never-ending, precious love of God. 
right now God wants you to know that love. And before we go on and, and share some other things with you, I want to do stop right now and lead a prayer where you can say yes to him. Think about what it would mean if you open your heart to God right now. Is there something inside? You can feel it. It's him. It's, just, it's your moment. And so right now, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer, and then I'm going to ask you to text. But let me pray that prayer. I want you to either whisper the words or say them out loud uh, uh, right now. So just say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me, and I know you died on the cross for me, and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that would hold me down or hold me back. And I pray most of all, you would make me yours, you'd make me alive, and you'd make me brand new. So I say yes. If that's all you could say, say those words. I say yes. I say yes to you, and I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, Amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. And praise God for you. And remember what the Bible just taught, what Jesus said. Right now there's joy in heaven over you. There's, there's a celebration for you. And we want to celebrate with you. So right now, somehow, someway, text amen to 69922 so we can get things to you. We'll keep our information private. But we want to get things to you to help you grow in, in your life with God. We want to know who you are. We want to pray for you. So make sure and text us and let us know. Why? Because you matter to us. You matter to us and we want you to have a church home, a church family that really cares about you. So give us an opportunity to do that. But you know what? Right in this moment, I want to say something to all of you who are Christ followers. There are some things you and I need to do so that we will be the watchmen, so we will be in the game. And so, number one, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to pray for the lost. Who are the lost people in your life? Make a list of them. Begin to pray for them. If you have a huge list, maybe break them up, and each day pray for a different segment of it. Uh, For me, I've got certain people I pray for every day. I'm praying for God to give me opportunities praying for God uh, uh, to let, show me ways to share and care with them. By the way, uh, the Dr. Carolyn Leaf one is one I believe I'm going to be able to start a conversation with someone about uh, because I, even though they're far from God, they, they're, I think they'll be so intrigued with what she's about to say. But listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 4. It says, pray for us. So it's pray for the lost. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak. Not just one. Pray for many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So what I do, I pray, number one, for the people. I pray for them to open their hearts, at least to listen. I pray for God to to orchestrate events and, and circumstances to make them think. I even sometimes feel God calling me to pray for them to have dreams. And I can't tell you how many times I prayed for that and I'll get the message back. I had the weirdest dream. And then I pray that I'm going to have many opportunities to speak and that I'll do it clearly. And I'm going to talk about how to do it clearly in a minute. But, but what I want you to do is understand this. When I pray for opportunities to share, if the opportunity doesn't come, then I keep praying, but I don't share. Please listen. Sometimes uh, when I share this uh, with people and I say, you need to be sharing, they're like, but what if they don't want to listen? Then don't share. 
Uh, by the way, what we're talking about is I'm praying for an open door. An open door. So uh, I'm thinking of the people I want to share with, and I'm praying, Lord, open a door so I can share with them. And then when I've shared as much as I can, then I'll stop. But if I don't find the door open, what do I do? I just keep praying. I, I, I don't share. Don't share if you don't have an open door. If they're not ready to hear, it's not the time, it's not the place, there's not a want to hear, then don't, don't do that. Why? That's like pounding on an open door. Uh, imagine I came to your house tonight. It's 1030 at night and I'm standing there and you look on the ring uh, and you could see I'm standing there. Uh, and, or you, and, and in that moment, I, I say, let me in, let me in, let me in. And I start pounding on your door. You know what? I doubt you'd open the door. 1030 at night, if I knock, hey, uh, could I ask you something? You might open the door. But if I'm pounding on the door, you're not going to let me in. And here's the thing. Don't pound on the door. Ask God to open the door. Maybe knock uh, knock, and, and just say, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I just heard this neuroscientist speak about the wonder of the brain. Have you ever thought about that? And if they go, no, and they're interested, then I'm going to talk to them. If they go, nah, I haven't, and I know they're not interested, then I'll look for another opportunity. And so what we do is we pray for the opportunities. We pray for the opportunities. And and by the way, we're going to give you lots of ways to begin the conversation this month. But but that's number one, pray for the lost. Number two, share your story. Now listen to this. A lot of times I have people say, but what do I tell them? When you finally get the opportunity, share your story with them. And, and it's, there's three parts to all our story. We all have a story to share. If I, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian. I have a story to share. You have a story to share. It's your story. And what is it? It's based on this, on BC, before Christ. What was your life like before Christ? Then something happened. What is it that brought you to them? Something happened that, that opened your eyes to Jesus and made the change in your life. And then the now what? Now what's your life like? So think about this. What is your BC? What was your life like before you knew Christ? Then something happened. What is it that made you open up to Jesus and commit your life to him? Now what? So, so what I want to ask you to do is this. You know, right now, would you agree with me right now? I want to ask you, do you think there's just too much negative on the, on the social media? Too much mean, too much cruel, too much fear, too much political, too much. And, and you know what we need? We need Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do this. All the Crossroads family, I'm going to ask you this week to uh, either write your story or film your story and post it. Let's all do it together. Uh, 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 Pam's going to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it. Let's all do it together. And, and let's do this. Tell your BC what it was like before you knew Christ. Something happened. Now what? And then hashtag get in the game. And then also tag at Crossroads. Uh, and so uh, is it Crossroads CA, I think. At Crossroads CA, I think that's wrong. At Crossroads CA. And so uh, make sure and tag at Crossroads CA. And, and then what happens is we're going to be able to share together in all these amazing stories uh, and, and, and what God's done. I want to see your story. So make sure and tag uh, at the game. And again, it's Crossroads CA. Uh, and do that. And then what we want to do is we want to share in this story together and, and get all the good news of what Jesus has done in our lives out there. 
So what's your before Christ? What's your something happened? And what's your now what? Well, let me give you an example of that for me. Uh, before Christ, uh, what, I, I, I was living the life. I was in high school. I had tons of friends. I, 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 on the weekend, I couldn't wait for the party and had lots of parties to go to. I was loving sports. <laughs> Pam will tell you this. I love girls. Man, I love girls. I, I, I was into girls and, not, and most often not in the way I should have been and uh, uh, the way I treated them. But, but here's the thing is I was having a blast. If you had asked me, are you hurting? No. Are you lonely? No. Are, are you sad? No. Man, I'm living life. I'm having fun. I, I got up in the morning excited for every day because some good things were coming. That was my before Christ. Something happened. I met some Christians. I met some people that knew God. And I realized they knew God. And I also realized they had something I didn't. And no matter how good my life was, it was not even close to what it was like seeing what was in them, experiencing what was in them, the love, the peace, the joy. There was God in their lives. And I, I, I realized how real that was. And now none of this looked good anymore. And I began to wonder, I began to want, I began to seek. I was missing something real important. And God was letting me know that the Holy Spirit was on me. And, and then what happened is I, I committed my life to Christ and, and I, I met Jesus. And at that moment, the old life, which I thought was so good, wasn't even close to what it was like. Uh, uh, in this old life, I was using drugs and getting high. Guess what? It really was true for me. Jesus was a higher high. Jesus was more incredible. Nothing compared to Jesus. And then now what? Now I'm a different person. Now I, 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 I treated Pam, you know, I, I want to treat her as the wife I would never have treated her like if I didn't know Jesus. I want to be a father like I've never been. I want to be a, 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 I want to be a friend like I've never been. And, and I started living my life for him and with him. And, and I want to tell you my life matters. And, and I, I discovered my purpose, discovered my identity and, and I get up every day more excited. Matter of fact, I met Jesus way back in the 70s, uh, and I'm more excited about Jesus today than even back then. And uh, it just keeps growing and get better and better and better. That's my story. That's my story. Before Christ, I had a blast, but then I realized it wasn't even close. Jesus was way more incredible. And I began to discover the truth of that 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that I now have a, a life that's beyond description and beyond imagination and, and a relationship with Jesus and God is my father. And, and by the way, when I went through some tough times, praise God, he was there, but he's given me so many good times. And, and, and so I love that. So what is your BC? What is your before Christ? Just a few sentences. What is your something happened? What is your now what? And then hashtag get in the game. And hey, guys, I, do I have the greatest tech team or what? They fixed it. Good job. Cat crash tag, uh, tag at Crossroads CA. So, so make sure and do that and we'll share in that together and we're going to experience that together and we want that for you. So let's do something. Let's agree right now we're going to get in the game. Start praying for people that you need to share with. Then make sure and map out your story. You can do it mentally or you can write it down. Lee Strobel likes to write it down. And, and, and then I want you to record it or write it and post it. But I also want you to do this. Maybe go to one of the people who you have on your list and say, hey, um, I, I was taking time to write out my story. Can I share it with you? 
I bet they're going to say yes. I, they may not always, but the majority are going to say, yeah, tell me your story. And then tell them your story and ask them, hey, how does that hit you? What do you think about? And, and see if a conversation doesn't start. See if an opportunity doesn't present itself. See if a difference can't be made. And the Bible, by the way, calls that planting a seed. Uh, what we do very often is over the course of time, we plant seeds of the gospel in people, truths from God, moments from God, and we wait for God to cause that to grow into the life that they could have. So you know what? Just start doing that. Start praying and planting seeds and looking for open doors and getting ready to make a difference. And right now, before we close, maybe you, maybe you're sitting there going, I should have prayed that prayer. You know what? It's not too late. It's not too late. That's the whole point of what I'm telling you. It's not too late. As long as you have a breath to breathe, as long as another heartbeat is taking place, God is waiting for you. But you got to say yes to him. And right now, if you didn't do it with me before, do it now. Just say these words. Say, God, I say yes. Jesus, I say yes. I say yes to you, and I say yes to the life you have for me. Take me now and make me yours. And if you did that, if you prayed the prayer now or you prayed it before, please text amen to us so we can connect with you and, and let us know uh, uh, about the decision you made. And, and let us have an opportunity to interact with you in a way that's meaningful. 